everybody. I've got to have probably my most favorite interview since I started doing For the Love of Guns. I have Erin Mahalik. Now, she's from Thrum Targets, formerly Newbold. And we just had a great time talking. Now, I know probably about three quarters of the way through, the two of us kind of geek out about living in Philly. And, um, well, you kind of get an idea of what it's like to live there. If you, if you haven't lived in Philly, there's quirks, right? So you kind of see there's little quirks when we're talking. Before we talk to Aaron, let's pay the bills. And this episode is brought to you by Brownells. If you see in my video, there's a lot of tools on the pegboard behind me. Most of them have been bought through Brownells. If you want to see the tools that I've used in either builds or, you know, maintaining guns that came from Brownells, go to www.trb.fyi slash Brownells. With the bills paid, let's get at it. Aaron, tell me about your love of guns. Yeah, so my name is Aaron Mahalik. Um, I'm part owner and managing director of a company called Throom Targets. Um, we make self-healing polymer targets that are reactive, that don't cause any ricochet or splashback. Um, so essentially, you're able to train with a reactive target closer than you could, right, with a steel target. Um, we, we joke that we're safer than steel and we're more fun than paper, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So we may, I mean, targets look like, look like this, um, this is one that's been shot up a bunch of times. So a lot of these are nine millimeter hits. Um, so yeah, basically we make a target that is a, you know, a safer alternative to steel and a really good training aid for people who want to be able to shorten their standoff distance. Okay. And for those of you that are on the audio side, she was holding one of the targets up and they're just basically a little bigger than a pinhole um, going through those targets. So yeah those bullets are actually passing through the targets and they're not right. destroying the target. Well, I mean, just a little bit, but not yeah, yeah. They're <laughs> taking a little bit with them. Um, the nine millimeter holes are smaller than a pencil tip. Um, the 22 holes are virtually undetectable. Um, and then hits with a 45 are just about the size of a pencil tip. Um, hollow points we say are our kryptonite. Um, because mm -hmm. those all, whatever the shape of the hollow point is, is basically like the cookie cutter shape that you'll see in the target. So you got a star tip, you're going to have a star shaped hole in your target. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so you were talking about, um, safer than steel. Now yeah. I, I'm a very big steel shooter. I, I love yeah. shooting on steel, but one of the things that drives me nuts is that um, and it's not really that drives me nuts. I mean, we're supposed to be wearing eye protection anyway. Sure. But with steel, when you're shooting, you need to make sure you have a distance to that steel. And even if you're in that minimum distance, uh, if you're shooting jacketed ammo, that jacket will come back and hit you. Yeah. Now, with Thrum, you kind of have solved that problem because the bullets are passing through the target. Right. Yeah. If you were to um, 
shoot jacketed ammunition through our target into a sand pit, you could recover that round and it would still have the jacket fully intact. Wouldn't even change shape. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That's... we've done tons of tests. Yeah. And you can actually recover the, you can sift them right out of the sand pit and they will be the exact same shape. Jacket hasn't even mushed nothing. I mean, so it's pretty impressive. Um, I wouldn't say that they're where, uh, to the point where you could reload them, <laughs> but um, yeah, but we're not changing yeah. shape. We're not changing velocity. We're not changing direction, right? So you have a reactive target. The bullet passes through it the same way it would pass through paper. It's not changing velocity or shape or direction, um, but it's, something's happening. You're seeing the target knock over or swing, right? Um, or bounce around, you know, or you're seeing some kind of reaction. So, you know, you hit it. And and that's kind of the, the, the big thing with your targets is, is safety, right? I right. Mean, we always talk about safety with firearms. Right. Um, but when we talk about safety with firearms, mostly we're talking about handling the gun, um, keeping muscle in the same safe direction and all the regular, you know, laws of gun safety. But, when you start progressing in your shooting, um, like a lot of us have, and we start shooting on steel, it brings a whole new meaning of right. safety into it. Um, you know, it, and that's the big thing you were talking about with your product. You know, when you're shooting on steel, that steel is taking the complete energy of that bullet. Right. Um, you know, it's separating the jacket from the lead core and all that stuff, and things are flying all over the place. Right. Um, you know, I saw a video. Um, actually, it was just after Shot Show. I, I, it was one of the uh, bull, um, the plate carrier people. Right. Mm -hmm. so you, people are carrying these plate carriers, um, and they're AR five hundred, just like regular targets. Sure. And you know, this company has a soft target, and their idea is to absorb that energy rather than having it go into the steel. Right. And what he did was, is he goes, you know, steel is great as long as you're shooting it, you know, kind of straight on, at least for a right. plate carrier. What he did is he put a watermelon on, mm -hmm. on a stand. And then he goes, well, most of us are not fit. <laughs> so, so, so that plate is kind of angled. So he sure. angled it a little bit. He shot it with a rifle and you know, they had a high-speed camera and you could see the jacket kind of, you know, oh, all, yeah. all, all the spall come off. And well, that watermelon was basically your head. Sure. And yeah. you could see right. basically it would take out your jaw. Yeah. And that's kind of why um, I like your targets. You know, I remember I right. picked one of these. Up yeah. Shot. <laughs> um, and that, and, and, and if I was thinking correctly, I would have, yeah. you know, I, I had some range time on Sunday. I, I should have. Yeah, you should have shot at it. it. Yeah, it, it's a lot it of fun. Was, it, and the thing was, is <laughs> it was it was in the truck with me, too. And I completely <laughs> forgot. Forgot it, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, and that's the thing is, I mean, you know, obviously this is a small version of the target. But for those yeah. of you on the video side, you can see it's yeah. it's stiff, but it still moves. So that's right. the advantage with your targets is that right. not only is that, you know, the bullet will pass right through it. This will absorb some of the energy, but it, it's still letting the bullet 
hit the right. perm where the energy should be dissipated exactly. at. I mean, right. that's where the safety of the range is. Yeah, our goal is to make sure that that round is hitting your designated backstop, whatever your backstop is, whatever your berm is, um, wherever you're trying to safely deposit lead, right? Like yeah. that's where we want it to end up. <laughs> so, so, and and that's kind of the cool thing with this target is, um, you know, I remember um, I I used to live on the East Coast and we used to do bowling pin shoots at an indoor range. Right. Um, and the the nice thing with the bowling pin shoots is that the bullets, well, basically the bowling pin holds all the bullets. Yeah, um, it kind of absorbs them. That bowling pin starts yeah. weighing a heck of a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> and, if, and if you're a nine millimeter shooter, you make sure you shoot early. Yeah. Because the guys coming in with the 357s and the 45s are going to load those things up with lead. And yeah. those nine millimeters had a hard time getting the pins off. Right. But that's... The cool thing with your targets, though, is that unlike steel, these are indoor gun range friendly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because, uh, because that bullet is passing through. And like you said, it is hitting the designated backstop, which right. in an indoor range is, well, angled plate steel. Yeah. It ha does its thing. We won't get into the whole mechanics of that. But um so are you starting to see indoor ranges? Because, I mean, shoots. Yeah. A lot of people are getting into competition shooting. Of course. And shooting plates is, uh, it doesn't matter what competition you shoot. Shooting plates is like a mainstay right. of competition shooting. Are you seeing indoor ranges start to yeah. you know, do things like this? We're seeing a lot of indoor ranges adopt, you know, and and this is actually the progression. This is how it happens, right? So the weather turns nice in the spring. Everybody starts heading outside. Mm -hmm. All the target companies, steel, right, us included, they see a bump, right, in sales because people are heading outside and they're going to shoot the targets outside. Then you get to where it's the fall. It's a little bit colder. The, the sales dip for about two weeks, right? I bet paper target sales are going through the roof <laughs> at this time. And it's because everybody's moved inside, right? Right. And they're all shooting the targets inside. After about two to two and a half weeks of that, we get another big bump. And the reason for that is because people are inside. They've been shooting a paper the last two and a half weeks and they're bored already. So they yeah. start asking their ranges, is there something more fun? Can we do a pin shoot? Are there plate racks that we could bring inside? Is there something? Then they start begging to bring the steel inside. We've heard a lot of ranges give us a call. They're saying... Oh, we gave in. We let them bring a steel pepper popper inside. I had to replace it's, all the lights. The floor yeah, is a mess. Right. Yep. And it just like destroys the range. And then they realize that like we make a self-sealing bowling pin. We make a plate rack that you can bring indoors. Right. You could do head to head plate rack matches. You could bring pepper poppers inside. We even have a dueling tree. Right. So you can bring all these items inside and you're you're not going to destroy the range. Right. The bullet's going to end up exactly where the range wants it, right? <laughs> it's not going to yeah. wreck any of the lights or the floor. I mean, when we were back, when we were in Las Vegas for a shot show, we did um, we did like a demo at an indoor range, and the range master knew what the targets were, right? But the the <laughs> those who were out there on the day, they had no idea. And if you look at these targets from even just five feet away, you'd think they were painted steel. 
right? So I walk out there and I just start setting up a plate rack right down, down range, like seven to 10 yards away from the shooting tables. And I get a guy running at me like, Hey, 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 what are you doing? You know? And I'm like, Hey, look, and I grab the targets and I just start like flexing him. And he's like, what is this? You know? (laughs) Um, So they're thinking like, I'm out there setting up painted steel and realize right away that these are reactive, like totally indoor safe target. Um, And it was pretty funny. And then I said, yeah, and watch this. And I lifted up one of our plate racks and I moved it like 10 feet in the other direction. Right. So the whole plate rack, it only weighs 10 or 11 pounds. So I could pick up two and I could walk around and halfway through the match, someone said, you know, it'd be nice to shoot that other plate rack. How long would it take for us to set it up? And I said, probably 90 seconds, right? It weighs nothing. I could do it myself. So we called a ceasefire. I walked out. I set the whole thing up and I come back and one of the guys says, Hey, I timed you. It was 45 seconds. So, <laughs> you know, and they don't weigh, you know, they are seven times lighter than their steel counterparts. So you've got a plate rack. It's a fraction of the cost. It's seven times less, you know, in weight than it's steel yeah. plate rack. Right. And so it's so, we get a lot of people who say, Oh my gosh, I used to lug my steel targets down range to take me hours to set up and break down. I could set these up in under a minute. And that's a huge and, benefit. I mean, that is huge. I mean, the the, um, the outdoor range that we shoot at, um, now out here in Montana, most, it, it, everybody shoots outside. There's not very many <laughs> indoor ranges. Yeah, it's what um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the range that we shoot at, we, we love it because it's um, – it, I like to say it's a, it, it's a pistol range that they bouldered a rifle range onto. Um, I mean, the, the name of the club is last chance handgunners. So it just kind of tells okay. you, they, you know, they do it and they do a lots of competition down there and they leave plate racks out, which is right. great because, you know, my wife and I will go out there and we'll shoot the plates. But what drives me nuts is that, you know, they'll set a, they'll set a bay up for a stage. And then when they're done, you know, they'll, they may not shoot a plate rack and they'll move the plate rack out. So right. that way they can shoot their paper and their clay pigeons and stuff sure. like that. But when I show up and we're like, okay, we're going to shoot in this bay. And I look there and that plate rack is sideways. And I'm like, crap. Right. That is, I mean, that is, that's a heavy piece of equipment. Yeah. And I mean, around. and for two people, it's just, it's, it's so cumbersome, you know, even for, even yep. for two people, I, you know, we used to do, um, you know, before COVID, right. And we, we had more matches and we had more indoor demos and things like that. Um, we used to do site in bays for, uh, steel challenge matches on the East coast. And so we would always share a bay with empty clip targets, which is out here in Pennsylvania, their steel target company, um, run by this guy, Matt, they're a great company. And, um, we used to set up next to Matt. And so I'd have my bay, set up in 20 minutes <laughs> he'd have his bay i felt bad he'd show up at five o'clock in the morning he'd be setting up till 8 a.m right yeah. i'd show up at 7 30 you know i'd set up in 25 minutes i'm like okay he wants to shoot right and then i could break everything down I mean, you saw our um one of the coolest things we have right which is that self-sealing bracket for two by fours yeah. which we should talk about but i would bring that out and i would set it up in, in a few seconds right and i'd be ready to go so the one day my mom sees me packing up to go to the range 
And she goes, why do you always bring gloves with you? And I said, well, I break down in 20 minutes and then I got to put my gloves on and help Matt load the steel in his trailer. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm not going to leave. I feel like a jerk, right? (laughs) Like, you know, we were all here having fun. We were shooting the steel too. I'm going to help clean it up, obviously. So, yeah, so it was always funny because I could just, I mean, our targets, you know, from a safety standpoint, again, right? When you shoot, you nick the edges of the steel, right? Especially like the thinner rim fire plates, they get sharp, right? They get really sharp and you can cut yourself. Our targets aren't going to do that, right? So I can walk down barehanded and just snap the targets out of the brackets, you know, throw them in a duffel bag. I could carry three plate racks back to the car without even barely breaking a sweat. So we'd go out there and I'd have to help everybody else break down their steel. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. So yeah, we, we talked about the targets. Uh, you, you kind of alluded to the, um, the, the brackets, uh, right. not the brackets, the, um, the, the two by four, two by fours. Yeah. Holders. But I mean, you have some basic categories. Um, you have knockdown targets. Yep. You have hang tough bounce yep. back. Yeah. Dueling tree pepper poppers and three guns, uh, right. three gun. Three guns. Would you mind mm-hmm. going through those target categories for the, ca- for yeah, the what they do. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the knockdown targets are very similar to steel knockdown targets. They're meant to mimic, um, you know, a steel knockdown plate rack so that people can get the same training, the same experience that you're, they're used to. Right. But for, again, fraction of the cost, fraction of the weight, um, you know, so it's easier to move and something that you can shoot, you know, inside, um, but basically that target responds the same way a seal, uh, falling, you know, target would, would act. Right. So you've got six targets across, um, your plate rack and you knock down the target, it knocks down, it stays down. Um, the cool part about our plate rack, and this is one of my favorite things for the knockdowns is if I'm shooting like a competition or something, I want to know that my target fell down. I have this assembled with the brackets across the top six of the plates and me and somebody else maybe are going head to head. You want to knock down all your plates, right? And you can see they knock down, they stay down. We can manually reset or we can pull a string and reset those targets. Um, but if I'm by myself or like, we just don't feel like walking down range or we don't have, feel like rigging up the reset system, right? I just take the whole crossbar and I just flip it upside down. And now the knockdown oh, plates become hanging. a hanging, yeah. yeah hanging swinging auto reset target so the greatest part about our knockdown plate rack is you can really use it two ways you have a knockdown target where it knocks down stay down or you flip it upside down you can hit them and then they're swinging they bounce twice and then bang they reset and then you can keep hitting them um so i think that's really the benefits of the knockdowns we make one knockdown base that fits about 78 different styles of targets so sure, we have the, the four, six and eight inch rounds, right? The plates that everybody's used to. But then we also have turkeys, pigs, chickens, rams, you know, rabbits, ducks, squirrels, prairie dogs, you know, bowling pins, whiskey bottles, right? Like the whole thing. And what's cool is if you have a plate rack and you come back and you just want to order some, some new targets, you don't need to order the bases. We sell them together as a starter kit, but we sell them individually too. So you can buy a single plate. And then when you get that target in, you just snap out your plate and you snap in the new one and it's, you know, and you got, you're ready to go in seconds and the bases too. And we haven't really mentioned this, but the bases brackets, all of our hardware is the same materials, the target. So you're not going to have an issue 
if you hit a pin or you hit, you hit the base or something like that, it's not going to like, I, I can't stand when you're shooting at like a sawhorse and somebody hits the sawhorse bracket and then that's it for the day. It's like, yep. you don't have to stand anymore. Um, I mean, ours can take hundreds of hits before you're going to really have some kind of catastrophic error. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's really the knockdowns. The bounce backs are really simple. You snap them into their base. They wobble around when they're hit. So they're an auto resetting target that you don't have to walk down range to reset. They bounce around. Um, I, I think they're more of a center fire target. I feel like they don't move a whole lot with rim fire. Um, I would say, you know, nine, I honestly, I would say 40 and up is really the best reaction on those targets. Truthfully, right. nine millimeter is fine. Especially if you're like within, you know, 10 yards of the target. Um, but I, I do feel like if you really want to know you hit the target, I mean, that target's a lot of fun with heavier center fire rounds. Um, the other thing you can do with the bounce backs, which we don't really advertise a whole lot because they're called bounce backs, right? So you want to hit them and they wobble. Um, but really, you can take the bounce backs. They have their own little foot, like their own little stand. So you can snap them out of the base, put them right on your target stand, and knock them totally to the ground. Oh, so, you, so yeah. 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 So like for a, a pin match, right? You just yep. stand them up and you knock them over just like a regular bowling pin. Um, so we have that option there too, for those, um, the hang toughs, these are probably my favorite. Um, this one's been hit with 22s. <laughs> um, but you hit this one, it swings around when you hit it. It's super flexible. Um, the strap is the same material as a target. So if you hit the hanging target strap, really not a big deal. Um, they'll take thousands of hit. They look thinner than their other, than the knockdowns and the bounce backs, but they'll take thousands of hits. We've got a six inch plate that's got 18,022s in it, um, wow. through it. You could still use it. It looks absolutely fine. Um, I think, you know, nine millimeter for a six inch, you're still going to get at least a thousand out of it. Um, so they'll last a long time. The benefits of the hang toughs over the other targets are all our targets are reactive you hit them, doesn't matter where you hit them, they're going to do what they're supposed to do, knock down or wobble or whatever. But the hang toughs, you know where you hit it based on the reaction you get. So if you yeah, hit it dead... it'll twist. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So if you hit it dead center, swing straight back. You hit the sides, it twists. And if you hit the strap, it just gives a little wiggle and then stops right away. So you know that you're high. Um, yep. So that's that one. I mean, pepper poppers are, you know same thing you know that was uh john pepper right he was a marine who designed that pretty iconic target shape um so we wanted to do our version of a pepper popper it mimics the steel targets it's got the same you know center mass and and head uh size um but it's a nice target for especially people who are doing tactical or military law enforcement you know style training because you can be up close to that target and not experience any any kind of like dangerous like ricochet or anything like no. that um just really the idea because if you're training for that kind of a gunfight you know you're training inside of um a couple of feet right you're not 30 yards away or 20 yards away right um yeah, yeah so and then uh, what so, so two of my two of my favorite targets though are our shotgun target and rifle target those three gun targets you mentioned mm -hmm. um the shotgun target is this eight inch plate that you hang from, we use like nylon rope and 
it flips around, it swings, it spins. I mean, you really know when you hit it, it's meant for buck and bird shot. It'll take, uh, you know, hundred, it'll take at least a hundred hits, uh, with bird shot and the rounds, they, they go right through. We need this target thin enough that a uh, shot will pass right through it. Um, that's the whole idea right behind our target, right. you know, on stuff packing up. Um, but that target is highly reactive when you hit it and a lot of fun. And the same goes for our, our rifle gong. Um, it was designed We're we're in New Jersey. <laughs> we're like <laughs> the only, yeah, we're the only target company crazy enough to have our plant in New Jersey. But a lot of our bays are really short bays, right? For rifle. And so we designed a three inch rifle gong that could be shot in a 20 yard bay with a 223 right and it's very reactive and it spins and it flips and it swings and it does all these things that are a lot of fun and it just takes so many i mean the 223 hits and even 308s are tiny pinholes so it'll last a really really long time um just a really fun target and just worth mentioning because i mentioned the shotgun target but all of the targets can be shot with slugs um they'll pass right through i was was gonna ask you about that (laughs) Yeah, they leave less damage than a hollow point round, believe it or not. Um, and they go down hard. I think one of my favorite things to do with slugs is hit the 22 inch pepper popper because that thing just like bang, right? It's gone. It, there <laughs> it know? is, and all of a sudden it's gone. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's really fun. And it is, and it's always really impressive to go bring people out and say, yeah, we're gonna shoot slugs at these eight inch knockdowns today. And they just think we're going to shatter these. They're going to be a mess. Yeah. And it's, it's fun because I get to be like, yeah, look at these. <laughs> They're still going. Yeah, Cause when you were, when you were talking about birdshot and double eye, the first thing <laughs> that went through my mind is I have an ammo can of one ounce slug sitting <laughs> over there. I wonder yeah. what a one ounce slug would do to that target. Yeah. I, I'm glad I always you brought love that it. up. Yeah. I kind of, I always really love to see people's reactions when they hit it with a slug because they hit it one time and it's like, well, bam. Right. And then they <laughs> run down because they're like, Oh God, it probably like destroyed it. And then they lift it up and it's like this little hole. And they're like, get <laughs> out of here. You know? And it's like, they're almost yeah. disappointed. <laughs> so yeah, That's, that's, uh, that's exactly because that's exactly what was going through my mind when you were talking about that. I'm like, I I wonder what this, I wonder what my one ounce slugs would do because those things are, um, um, are pretty, uh, I know I I got them hopped up on, on uh, running pretty (laughs) fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's a lot of fun. I got to now I got to send you something that you can, you know, really bang around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whole, yeah. I will give that thing a workout. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and what's funny is, is, so, um, you know, I grew up, I grew up just outside of Philly. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I actually grew up in Ben Salem. Yeah. Um, okay. So I know the area that you're in. Um, right. I've lived in Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland and Delaware. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you're talking about shotguns. Sure. Now, like a state like Delaware, Delaware is a very small state, mm-hmm. very flat state, not a rifle state. Right. right. Uh, there's not even a there's not even a rifle season for hunting. It's 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 shotgun season right. for 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 deer. Um, and that's where it's kind of nice to know that you can hit your target. You you have shotgun targets. Exactly. So those people that are out there that that are in areas that 
you can't shoot rifle um, or there is no rifle season for, you know, population or whatever. Sure. These people actually can go out into a field with a target and shoot. Right. With what they're going to be hunting with. Exactly. So, right. So that that's great to know, because, I mean, you know, most of us think, you know, uh, you know, when I moved to Montana, you know, I started hearing about people uh, hunting elk and they're they're like, oh, yeah, I, I got that elk at 700 yards. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, when I when I when I learned how to hunt up in the Poconos, I mean, a hundred yard shot, you're you're yeah. rethinking a hundred yard shot because at 101 is sure. a house. Sure. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so th that's great that, you know, you have targets for other th you know, for, for yeah. these people. That well, just, real life you know, applications. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I like what you were talking about with um, tactical shooting with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking to another company on the podcast a few weeks ago. And we got talking about, you know, realistic um, scenarios for right. tactical shooting. And that's the greatest thing about with you, you know, you know, steel's great. Paper, I mean, I grew up on paper. Paper gets sure. really boring fast. Yeah. Um, you know, punch, you can only punch so many holes through paper before you go, uh, I'm done. Um, <laughs> But when you start talking about these these realistic shoots, you you're talking about um, now you can put a steel like target in front of law enforcement so they can get realistic um, you know situations. Yeah. You know they're yeah. they're doing shoot houses, oh, yeah. um, and they're shooting on paper because well you they have to steel. Yeah. Right. And the steel targets that they bring out to train with, they're shooting outside of 30 yards, which is a completely yeah. unrealistic scenario, yeah. right? Any police officer knows that no matter when you discharge your firearm, there's going to be an investigation. And yep. if they find out that you took a shot from 25 or 30 yards, it's already not looking favorable, right? No. It's just not no. looking favorable. So it's, I mean, to, to train at that distance is completely unrealistic for law enforcement. It doesn't make any sense for them at all. So having a target that they can train for a real life scenario, for something they're actually going to encounter, a gun battle that happens inside of an arm's length, right? Which is why they train yeah. in shoot houses, makes more sense to them, right? And it's realistically when they're going to have to discharge a firearm. I mean, I know... Um, before this year, uh, well, I guess before 2021, um, Montana, we have concealed carry permits and um, now we have constitutional carry. But if you um, if you're going to get your concealed carry permit, Montana, you have to prove a I mean, we still have them and you still have to prove your your competency with a firearm to get one. Sure. Um, and, and unless you have hunter safety um you know, I couldn't find my hunter safety card from the 80s. Um, <laughs> or, I always love when the guys here are like, let me pull out my firearms ID card. And it's like in three pieces. Yeah. yeah. Like it's why? The, yeah. Like the why? Few times. Right, it's been for the while. Like why are they giving us a card? It's like this little teeny yeah. piece of paper. It's yep. like barely heavier than cardstock. Like not yep. even at all it's got our actual thumbprint on it or whatever and yeah. i'm like i know mine i like i like didn't laminate it because you're like not allowed to but i like put it in a sleeve because i just remember like my uncles being like oh yeah i gotta go get in it because in new jersey we need permits for pistols yeah. so like oh well, i gotta get my fid 
so I can go apply for another permit. And they're like pulling out their FID and it's like in three pieces that they sort of like <laughs> unfolded and like stick them back together so that you could go to the police chief in your local town and like, please, I promise. <laughs> this is the real thing. <laughs> I promise it's the real deal. I feel like... I feel like if, if um, police chiefs in New Jersey are looking at like a pristine looking FID card, they're like, this is probably fake. This yeah, probably exactly. Right. Because yeah. like every one of us has an FID that's like frayed edges and ripped in half, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like normal. But, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, I know. it's funny because, but you know, when we go through these courses of, um, of um, uh, competency, Depending on your instructor, my instructor was a um, retired Montana Highway Patrol uh, officer, and yeah. it, it, he his was the greatest class because you know you get through these classes, it's like four hours. He oh yeah he did it like it was four nights, two hours a night, and then range day. And then, so at range day, you know, he's making sure everybody can deal with their gun. You know, he's making sure everybody can operate safe. And then he's dealing with, okay, now I want you up against the target right here <laughs> and yeah. draw your gun and put two shots in it. Yeah. Right? So, and you're, it, you know, it's a, it's a little unnerving, but it's a paper sure. target. So you're not, you're not too worried about it, but yeah. that's. <clears throat> you know, he's he's a cop. He yeah. understands realistic, um, right? You know, shooting gun, scenarios, shooting yeah. scenarios, right? And that's and that's where your targets. You know, we were just talking about that. That's where your right. targets are great about it because, yeah, yeah. Let's get up. Yeah, you know, let's get let's get up in front of the thing. Yeah, and shoot it. Right. Um, you know, I know right. when I lived in Maryland, uh, basically, you're never getting a concealed carry permit in Maryland. Yeah. Um, New Jersey. We get it. New Jersey. Yeah. yeah and New Jersey, too. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you a story yeah. about one time when I was, lived in Maryland and I took a gun into New Jersey. Um, <laughs> and then you needed new underwear to get uh, home. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. I, people uh, drive into it. My brother-in-law lives in Pennsylvania and he'll be like headed to, to come visit. And then he realizes it's in my yeah. pot, you know, like it's, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm appendix carrying a Glock yeah. right now. Oh my gosh. You know, and he's lucky. He's got a, a buddy who's a cop in Bethlehem and he'll call him and say, like, meet me at the parking ride, you know, yeah. and he's got a, his buddy brings a gun case and he's got to like lock it up and put it in his, you know, it's crazy. It's yeah. Cause you have a heart yeah. attack. <laughs> you do. You do. Um, yeah. And, um, so, I mean, you know, in like Maryland, the, you know, you go through your your classes in Maryland just, to, uh, you know, we, we would always do training. I mean, it's just one of the things that we did as a family. Um, it's yeah. always good to get an instructor and get another point of view. And, you know, these oh, instructors yeah. in Maryland are like, you know, if you are, if you shoot an intruder in Maryland, you had better be in the fetal position in the corner of your bedroom. Yeah. And that's how you shot them because anything else, yeah. the district attorney's going to charge you. New Jersey also. Yeah. 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 New yeah. Jersey's got I a lot I remember of laws just my, like that. Yeah. Remember my grandfather uh, telling my aunt that, you know, after she went through like firearm safety course and, and had 
gotten like her first pistol and and he told her you know if you need to discharge this against an intruder um even if you're in your house you need to like shoot yourself in the foot or yeah. or hit your hit yourself in the eye with the butt of the gun like make sure you give yourself a black eye because it's not gonna and that's and that is obviously really sad right you can't protect yourself in your own home so yeah. it is i mean it is a tough thing that instructors are having to um put that out there for their students i mean I mean, how you're already a victim at that point. Right. But then you have to be victimized more. Right. Um, and yeah, it gets, it, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know. Yeah. Um, my aunt said yeah. that shit. My aunt was like, that was like the hardest part about getting trained. It wasn't the yeah. firearm safety. It wasn't like understanding how to, you know, safely handle a gun or, or safely stow it, you know, or whatever. It was having my dad tell <laughs> me, the reality of what it's going to take to really fully protect yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you my story about New Jersey. Um, and I <laughs> purposely took a gun into New Jersey. Um, okay. There was a shoot at Fort Dix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? And uh, I signed up for the shoot. I drove up to New Jersey I had uh, at that time I was I was competing with Glocks. I had yeah. my my Glock 17 taken apart, and I had zip ties through it, and it was in a locked case in my trunk, and my ammo yeah. was in the car, and all that stuff. Yeah. And I take off up to up to Jersey, and um, I get about one exit away on the turnpike from Fort Dix, and I get pulled over. Oh my god! And I'm like. <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, people are flying by me. I'm yeah. Like, I got Maryland tags. I'm out of state. Okay. Right. I, I, I'm the one that I'm the one that got pulled over here. Right. Yeah. So, you know, officer comes up. He's, he's really nice. He goes, do you have a firearm in the car? And yeah. I'm like, well, it's secured in the trunk. Right. And he's like, Please step out of the car. Oh, like, God. You know, I'm sitting yeah. going, what? Why the hell did I get pulled over? Honestly. Um, I had a I had a Glock sticker on the back of my car. <laughs> I always love when my husband's driving with his SIG hat on, yep. you know, and then like something will happen. He's like, I don't know what, what's going on. Like what what happened? And I'm like, um, did you? Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah. geez, I'm wearing my SIG hat. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so I, we had a negotiation at the back of the uh, at, at the back of the car about this gun. Um, yeah. Because he was show him your problem. registration to the match in Fort Dix. Yeah. So and you know he wanted my combination. I wasn't going to give up my combination, but yeah, we, we negotiated. He we he, he got into the case, <laughs> and he and he's just laughing, right? He's yeah. Like, because it's all it's disassembled and like it's not fireable. Like uh, even yeah. like even you, in thirty you just minutes. Can't pick, yeah, <laughs> you just can't pick this thing up. I mean, you're, yeah. you're picking it up and you're taking a pair of wire cutters to cut the zip ties out yeah. of the barrel. <laughs> and he, he laughs. He closes it up. He goes, "You did a really good job at transporting your firearm into New Jersey." Sure. You you followed all of our laws except for one. Oh God! Like, What's that? He goes. There's no firearms allowed on the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> I'm like, the turnpike. I, I, that's 
that's why I needed a new pair of shorts, right? Yeah. Like, because oh. I'm like, oh crap, I probably just got right. a felony. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I'm shooting at the same match tomorrow. Um, <laughs> he goes, look, he goes, get off the New Jersey Turnpike, and when you go back, do not take the Jersey Turnpike. You're, yeah. You'll be fine. If you do yeah. everything you did here, you'll be fine. Just stay off the turnpike. Yeah. And I'm like, right. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, whatever you want. Sure. Whatever yeah. You oh want. my God. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> is. I mean, it is wild. I mean, understanding uh, like locally and at the county level and at the state level and which roads and county roads and state roads and like what's allowed and what's not. I mean, and before Christy, you know, we weren't allowed to stop and use the bathroom on the way home yep. from the range, which is tough, right? Because living in New Jersey, a lot of matches that we shoot are in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Or they're in New Hampshire. So it's a long drive and you're, you know, you can't pull over at a drive through You can't stop. So at least he made reasonable, reasonable stops lawful. The trouble is what is considered reasonable, reasonable. to the officer who pulls you over, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a little... You know, it's still a gray yeah. area. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Um, yeah. Well, anyways, back back to through. <laughs> <Not, laughs> yeah. Not that it, that not was that it a, wasn't fun going through that, but back. It's a fun New Jersey part. detour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny because I have a buddy of mine still. Um, he's still over in in Jersey, and um, mm -hmm. he cracks me up with some of the gun stories. I mean. Yeah. It, 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 it's funny. Um, one one does... year we're allowed a fifteen round magazine, and next yeah. year we're around it. Uh, it's only ten. Yeah. And then what yeah. do you do with your fifteens? Do you plug them? Oh nope, that was allowed last year. It's not allowed. You can't plug them yeah. now. You just got to get rid of them. I swear, every one of us who has a buddy in pencil, like every one of us has a buddy in Pennsylvania who has a gun safe <laughs> that's specifically for New Jersey residents. You know, yeah. it's like it's stock or max. Because I'm like, if I'm going to go shoot Steel Challenge or if I'm going to go shoot at IDPA US PSA, like I'm going to be in trouble. I can only have a 10 round, you know, I yeah. can't have a gun with a competition barrel in some cases. So it's like, well, it's like everybody has their competition gun, all their mags, you know, stored. So I always love like the friends who are like these four safes are, those are my gun safes. And that one safe over there, that's for everybody in New Jersey, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah that's <laughs> it's um, I will tell you, I don't, I, I don't miss the East Coast gun laws. <laughs> yeah, it's a struggle um, and it's keeping up with them. It's not like this is the law yeah. following. It's like this is the law and it's going to change every couple of years or that's, maybe sooner. <laughs> that's one of the things I like about living out here in Montana is that um, like when we did constitutional carry, mm -hmm. there's preemption. The The laws have preemption clauses. In them. Yeah. So, um, you know, I live in uh, Lewis and Clark County. Um, Helena is the capital here. I live just mm -hmm. outside the capital. Helena, uh, the Helena police chief, when this was coming up, was talking to the to the the council, going, "We need an emergency change of our gun law." And they're like, "Why?" And he goes, "Because this new law is coming up. Our law will be illegal if that passes, and it's going to pass." <laughs> and it, yeah. Um, so, and, and that's the whole thing is that, um, the laws here are much, I mean, really it was, um, the, the laws here in Montana were pretty open. They're pretty open. Um, yeah. Right. You're allowed, you're allowed to open carry 
um, in Montana, nice. you're allowed to conceal carry as long as you're outside of city limits. Okay. Because, well, there's these things called bears. Yeah, right. So so you, you go hiking in the woods, you want to make sure you have protection. Right. Um, and then now with our, our constitutional carry, it's now concealed carry within um, city limits. If you have a, um, like uh, before with our concealed carry laws, you couldn't carry in a bank. Okay, you right, yeah. You couldn't carry into a Montana state uh, uh, building. Yeah, or now, courthouse, right. Mm -hmm. Courthouse, or, you know, or even mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. Capitol building. Sure, sure. Now, now with our, our, our um, you still can't do that unless you have a concealed carry permit. There's, those places are now unlocked for us. Um, right. I mean, I know, I know of a gun that's in the governor's office. So, I mean, that, that's just the way it is. I mean, the, the, the laws yeah. here, and, and what's so funny is that our current governor is from Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and, and our governor just, um, you know, there was no um, bear hunting this year. Right. So we have right. like population control for, and I mean, that doesn't, I mean, for people who live outside of New Jersey, you're like bears, you know? Well, yeah. I don't live in a populated area in New Jersey. I live up by the New York state border and I live in ha in Hamburg mountains and bears are a real concern for us. Right. Yep. But we're within the state of New Jersey, so we can't carry. Right. There's hiking trails all over behind my house and Obviously, I worry about hiking with my dog, right, or my kids up there without being able to carry um, because bears are a real concern. And now they're even more of a concern because this year they decided there was no there was no bear hunting this year. So uh, we have I mean, I want to say we haven't seen the ill effects of that decision. We'll see them more. They'll become more apparent in the spring, you know, when all those yep. cubs are out <laughs> yep. and the mothers are feeling a little protective. Um, but I live north of Sparta, which is where like Lake Mohawk is. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a bear attack and kill a dog uh, a few weeks ago. And then that what they think is the, probably the same bear um, a week later attacked and killed another dog and attacked a woman so this is already happening and it's february imagine yeah. what it's going to look like in april may and june yeah. right so uh, it's tough it's so tough to make a law for a state that there's a beach and a boardwalk highly populated you know airport city location and then woods and mountains yeah. and real you know, up, I live up near Vernon, right? So it's just. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, if you yeah. live in Cape, if you live in Cape May, your right. your your life is completely different. Totally than different North, than in Northern Jersey. I mean, it's it, it is. flat, right? It's heavily yep. populated. Yeah, yep. it's a very very different you know experience. It's like you're seeing ducks and deer occasionally down there, right? Yeah, and. I mean, I laugh because, so I work down in central New Jersey, but I live in northern New Jersey, right? So my husband <laughs> was driving home uh, one night and hit a bear. There was a, like a young, and it's not uncommon, right? I mean, yeah. my, my sons are seven, they were in the back and they were like, mom, he like, he hit us. Like, 
we couldn't stop. Right. They come (laughs) across the road so fast. And so I said, well, I'll tell you the bumper was all messed up. Right. And so I said, well, I'll take the car down. There's a mechanic that we always use. He's like right on the next block. So I could drive the car to work, leave it at the mechanics. I could walk back here. So I did that. And he said, what happened? And I said, uh, we hit a bear. (laughs) (laughs) We're an hour South and a thousand feet lower in elevation down here. And they were like, a bear yeah, like what where, are you talking yeah yeah where, you you talk- <laughs> yeah where did you get a bear and then you go up by where we live in sussex county and some of you go what happened to your car and you go i hit a bear and they go oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. like it's yeah. just totally normal so the state of new jersey i mean range the range right that you could be surfing you could be skiing you know it's like the whole it's pretty wild i mean the kids in cape may high school and the height but what is the um there's a high school that's like right on the water down there in uh, in ocean city new jersey those kids can take surfing as an elective as an elective (laughs) so they're like in high school and they're taking surfing classes right but then the kids up at my school up at our high school they take skiing they're on the ski team right because we have we have ski mountains right behind our house so just how do you police a state like that, right? <laughs> it's it, so it it you have such a swing of um, geography right there. I mean, oh yeah, it's, it's wild. And, and that's that's the thing is that most people think when you think Jersey, you think um, you think either two things: pine <laughs> barrens or the yeah. beach. Right. That's it. And right. You got to get through the pine barrens to get to and the New York Airport. Newark Airport. Newark Airport. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Most um, people are thinking like smokestacks and like. <laughs> yeah. Trend. 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 Right? Yeah. 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 Same. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you don't realize, right, what a, what a fun- swing it is. It, so. it, it's funny because my, uh, my family doctor here in Montana, he grew up in Trenton. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when I was looking for a doctor, I'm like, okay, I'm looking. Oh, Trenton, I can deal with him. Right? Jersey guy. Okay. Jersey yeah. Guy, right? I, I, Trenton might as well be Pennsylvania sometimes. Don't kill me. Yeah, exactly. But like, yeah. it's, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's funny because um, I worked right across the street from the building he was in. And mm-hmm. I'd go for, for walks at lunch. And I'd run into him. And it was uh, yeah. Go Eagles. That's <laughs> as we were passing each other. Well, South right? Jersey, yeah. Go Eagles. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, North just, Central it, North is Giants and South giants. is all Eagles. Yeah. Yep. So it was just, um, it, it's just, it's funny how small the world is, right? I mean, right. Um, <clears throat> we went to an Albertsons here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Albertsons owns Acme. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, we went to Albertsons one time. We went, can you get tasty cakes? <laughs> and they're like, What's tasty cakes? What's that? <laughs> yeah, like, we want the we want yeah. the candy cakes, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yep. They're like, oh, oh, okay, and then they 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 ended up getting it in, right? Get so out. they ended up putting like an end cap up of tasty cakes, and we're like, this <laughs> is awesome, right? Yeah, and, but every time we were there, it was like it was like ravished, right? And and we're like, uh, so. So we went up with uh, some tasty cakes. We were checking out, and the the lady like, "Are you from New Jersey?" 
Really? You must be, right? No, uh, yeah. we were from Del. We we moved here from Delaware, but uh, right, right. And they're like, oh, because there's like these New Jersey people just came up here with a cart and just loaded. I up. bet. I bet. <laughs> we we have friends who moved. You know, any of our friends who moved out of New Jersey, they'll call and they'll say, um, "Can you get us some pork roll?" They oh, want pork roll. Yeah, because yeah, that's a Jersey thing. I, I it's like two stories. One is friends of ours who moved down to North Carolina. They're con- anytime that we go to visit, we got to bring like at least a couple pounds of pork roll, right? And it can't yep. be Case; it's got to be Taylor Ham, right? Like it's yep. a, everybody's got their brand. Um, but like this is such a Jersey thing. And I remember going out with, um, you know, I, it's actually it's a friend of mine, but we all call him. Uh, it's a, it's my friend's dad, but everybody calls him Uncle Bob. The whole company, everybody, it doesn't matter. Even at meetings, you'll be like at Boeing and they're like, hey, Uncle Bob, you know, he's like that guy. <laughs> and he really liked, he like hadn't traveled a whole lot, like outside of, um, like outside of this area. And I forget, he was like on a business trip or something. And he's like, man, I could really go for a pork roll. And uh-huh. everybody was like, the hell are you talking about? I forget yeah. he's in like Vermont or something like that. And they're like, pork roll. And then um, the woman at the register yells, Hey, this guy up here, he's asking for a pork roll sandwich. And the chef, like, you know, this cook, he, kn- he comes he out knew. and he's like, get the heck out. Where's he from? Jersey? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And he was from Jersey. And he's like, don't tell anybody, but I got some in the back. <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> like, it was like contraband, you know? Yeah, I got some. Yeah. It's, I, just, it's, I love that. It's funny is, um, so there's a city here called Missoula. Um, mm-hmm. I was up there doing some work. And uh, I was like, all right, um, I got to get something to eat. Um, you know, it, it was like the end of a 14 hour day and it's a yeah. two and a half hour drive home. Like, I got to get something to eat. And I'm driving along and I find this place called Philly West. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're hoping and praying. Yeah, I could go for a, che- yeah, I could go for a cheesesteak, right? I mean, nobody out here knows how to make a cheesesteak, but you know, what the hell? So I, I, I pull in, I walk in. And I'm seeing, um, so, you know, so, so the, um, set the, the set the trains, you know, the R1, mm-hmm. R2 and all that sure. stuff. He has those placards that were in the front of the trains. Wow. And I'm like, hmm. all right, this, this, that's kind of weird. Who would really know about that stuff? And right. um, I go walking up and I sit, I sit down and I go, um, how good are your cheesesteaks? <laughs> and he, he looks at he looks at me and he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll make you one. If you don't like it, I'll buy it back from you. Okay. I'm like, deal. <laughs> right? It's a good deal. I mean, it's a win-win. Uh, so he he makes it and I'm 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 talking to him and he totally has the South Philly accent. Okay. Totally's got it, right? That's promising. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm like, this, this, this could be good. Yeah. So um, I'm sitting there eating this. I'm eating this, this thing. And he's like, what do you think? I'm like, this is the best damn cheesesteak I've had for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And he's laughing. He's like, so, so what is it? And I go, I'm trying to figure out how you copied the Amoroso roll. Yeah. And he goes, oh, that ain't a copy. Get out. So he has them like what shipped in? He was shipped, he was shipping in Amoroso <laughs> rolls. Oh my God. 
So I'm like, this is awesome. I need yeah. one to go. Yeah. And he's like, okay. So I come home, you know, after driving two and a half hours home, I, I give my wife a cheesesteak. And she's like, the hell is this? Yeah. I'm like, it's a cheesesteak. She's like, like, trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, trust me. And she's like eating. She goes, oh my God. This is like, this is, this is it. This is the real thing. Yeah. And I was telling her about right. it. So every time I went to Missoula, I, I, uh, I stopped in. You had to and, go. Um, I got, yeah, I got, I got to know these guys. It was um, three brothers all from, I, I, I found Amazing. out that when I, um, when I wrestled, I used to wrestle at the same tournaments they did in yeah, Pennsylvania. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, they didn't make it. Montana's just didn't understand a Philly cheesesteak. Yeah, um, I that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, yeah. it's weird how you, you get those, those, um, those yeah. food things. Well, um, yeah, we, we knew a guy out in Colorado. He'd make this bread and it tasted like you got it from like a bakery in Hoboken, you know? And you're like, how in the world is he doing that? And then we thought, well, he must be getting it shipped out. And he said, no, it's not the dough or the bread or the yeast that gets shipped out or anything like that. He goes, I have them ship me gallons of water, water. And he gets the water shipped from Hoboken. And I was like, get the heck out, man. And that's how he did it. Um, This guy that ran this thing, he stopped um, the, the food distributor started realizing he was ordering this stuff. So they were actually ordering the Amorosa rolls early and then yeah. freezing them, which screws them up. Which is, yeah. And then, you know, the quality went down. So he went to a bait. He, he actually got a fresh one in mm-hmm. and took it to one of the local bakers. And <laughs> he goes, dismantled. Can, yeah. can you make this? And the guy goes, look, he goes, I can make something like it. Right. He goes, but honestly, it's the water. The water, that, yeah, that gives it the taste. Or, or if you grew up in Philly like I did, it's it's water. Yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, water. water. <laughs> there, there's a you, yeah. there's a you, there's a you and water. There's uh-huh. so I, there's so many things that like we say. A lot of people will meet me and they're like, "Wow, you're from New Jersey? Are you sure? Like you don't have that thing?" And I'm like, New Jersey accents are really like a Hoboken thing, like yeah. or 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 like um. You know, like those areas like over there have that, yeah. that joy Z thing, you know, yep. or a lot of times people think Staten Island, like that's New Jersey. Yep. And you're like, no, 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 no. no. You know, nope. so it's really, um, yeah, it's really not like a big uh, yeah, yeah, I, group of people. I, I, it's so funny because um, my wife laughs at me when. Uh, so it's funny you mentioned Bethlehem. Uh, my mom lives in Bethlehem. Oh, um, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I, uh, when I go back to the East Coast to go see my mom, um, and, and she laughs at me when I come back because I pick the accent back up from being there. Oh, it me. happens. Yeah. Right. And then she's like, she just laughs. She goes, yeah, you, you got your accent back. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's just, it's funny when you get those, the, just those things that it's just. Um, oh, yeah. You, you just got to be from the area to understand it, right? Yeah. I mean, I was out in Sedona, Arizona, and they had a pork roll, egg, and cheese sandwich on the menu. It was like New York deli, but it was like out in Sedona. And I was like, ugh. I was like, first off, a New York <laughs> deli wouldn't have pork roll, right? They would yeah. have a bacon, egg, and cheese because nobody in New York is doing that. 
And no. um, it's a Jersey diner thing. And so I was like, all right, I'll do it, you know? So I order a pork roll, egg and cheese. And the kid grabs two pieces of pork roll and chucks them into the microwave. And I was oh, like, oh, no. I was like, son, I'm going to pay you, but you're going to throw that in the garbage. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> I was like, I'm not even sure. I couldn't do it. I was like, I can't even do it. I was like, just, well, I was, yeah. So, mm. so what's funny is <laughs> later today, you're on CloverTax's um, yeah. podcast. <laughs> yep. So CloverTax, a really good friend of, 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 of mine uh, as mm -hmm. a content creator. Um, he's helped me out so much as a content yeah. creator when I was smaller. So CloverTac hangs out with Ghost Tactical. Um, mm -hmm. Two of those are like, those two guys are like, um, and, and the three of us shared a Verbo for um, SHOT Show and everybody was like, wait until you see these two guys together. Um, yeah. They're like, they're like a married couple. <laughs> um, and they totally are. It's, it's the funny yeah. thing. But so so Ghost and Clover goes to the, uh, they go to the Wanamaker uh, show. So it's the biggest gun show in, mm -hmm. in the world. And they keep on talking about this place has these Philly cheesesteaks. And I'm just like, oh, dude, you, you know, you, you just don't know. You, it might yeah, be yeah, good. Yeah. For, it might be good for you, but yeah, you just, you just don't know. <laughs> yeah. You just don't. Yeah. You, and yeah. They, 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 on Instagram, like they, they post their cheesesteaks. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's just that's just not it, bud. <laughs> we have wars, right? Over like um, you know, which cheesesteak, right? Because what, in G Philly G Gino's or uh Gino's. or uh, yeah. or Pat's. Yeah. <laughs> or Pat's. And they are people don't realize it until you're standing on the corner. I mean, they are across the street. The street. Right? Yeah. And so when you get there, it's not like, oh, I'm closer to Gino's, so I'll just go there. It's like No, you will cross the street. You will cross the street. Yeah. Yep. So it's absolutely, it's crazy. And it's funny to see the lines. And I always love bringing like a new person there. And they don't know how to order. Yeah. There's a specific. Oh, oh it's, 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 it's like the soup Nazi. It is like the Seinfeld. soup Nazi. It's totally Except the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. He will send you right back to the back of the line. Yep. And the line is not short ever, no. even in February. And, yeah. and there'll be a sign there that says, we speak English. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable yeah. too. Cause even if you like, you put in your order and you have to be like, you know, one wit, you know, whole thing, you got to know how yeah. to order it. Wit. And wit. <laughs> wit. wit. Yeah. Not, not with, with, not with, with one wit. wit. And wit. it's so, and so you go up to order it. And even if like, I mean, she plugs it in so fast. Right. And then yep. you're expected to like, get the heck out. There's no like, thanks for your order. Go stand over nope. there. It's like, it, you know, if you don't move, she's like, move, Get over yeah. <laughs> move. you know, and it's so funny. And I just, I remember like I was babysitting this kid and, um, I took her down there to go see like the battleship and, uh, you know, Camden and yeah. the, uh, the aquarium and stuff. And then we took the ferry over and I was like, let's go get cheesesteaks. And, uh, I was like, do you want to order like, or should I? And she's like, no, I can I can order, you know, cause she's like, she's a little girl, but she's not a little girl anymore, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, and we get, and I was like probably in my twenties and we like get in line and, um, she like froze up. <laughs> you see all these people. Yeah. Yeah. You see all these people in front of you getting yelled at, you know, and shoved over to the side and we get up there and all of a sudden she's like tapping my arm, like, 
Like you do it, yeah. you know, it was like the funniest thing. And like, I got, we get around the corner, you know, then you got to pay the guy cause you order there and then you pay there and then you pick yeah. up somewhere else and you pick up the drinks separate from the cheesesteaks. It's like how they keep it moving. And, um, I was like, what happened over there? <laughs> He's like, just yeah, shut up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Trial it, by fire. <laughs> it, it's funny. Um, so, uh, I, I was on the East Coast with a buddy of mine here from uh, Montana. And yeah. uh, so um, <laughs> I drove him. We, you talked about the battleship. So we went up to go see oh, New yeah. Jersey. Um, the mm -hmm. company I was working for at the time was right on the Delaware River in Delaware, right before the bridge. Okay. We actually stopped um, everything mm -hmm. when the Jersey came home. Oh, yeah. When they, when they were mm -hmm. towing her up. So um, I was like, "Hey, let's let's go up, let's go up and see uh, see the Jersey," and she's yeah. like, and "He's like, okay." And um, well, I didn't take him up ninety five and then cross a bridge. I decided to take right. him through South South Philly. <laughs> Very nice. I yeah. mean, scenic so, Philly and Camden. So, yeah. That's the so way he, to go. I mean, we talking trial by fire with yeah. cheesesteaks, but that's like. So next level. So yeah, you know, you're, you're it, we're driving through the city, and yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, we cross over an intersection, and he goes, "What just what just happened?" I'm like, "What what do you mean?" He goes, "Yeah, well, back there there was like trash and broken down cars, and <laughs> yeah, like all of a sudden this is like like really nice, right?" I'm like, yeah, this is where the mob's at. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. where the mob controls the city. Yeah. yeah just, and <laughs> and guess like, what? They control the garbage companies. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, like, he's like, so that's like a real thing? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I studied abroad with my sister in college, and we like, um, we lived on a, I'll plug semester at sea. We like lived on a ship, you know, for six months. And I love like going to different places and they, I mean, <clears throat> people in other countries, they have this view of the United States, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're all a bunch of like gun toting cowboys, right? Okay. But then they hear your accent and they go, wait a minute, like you're from like New York yeah. or New Jersey. And then you're not a gun toting cowboy. Nope. You're a mobster. <laughs> like you must know somebody who's in the mob um and the yeah. whole thing so like just hearing like what they're so they're like what's new york city like like they're convinced that like the police have no control it's like these gangsters like it's 1920 right yeah uh, Tommy like, guns. yeah exactly yeah, yeah we're all just like shooting each other in alleys like it's so it's so funny just the view and it didn't matter if we were like in india or malaysia or brazil when you said that you were from an area near like New York or Philly or in between those two silly cities, like you must be connected. Like, <laughs> so, you know, so it's funny. It's funny. Is, um, my, my sister lives in Belgium. She's been in mm -hmm. Belgium, gosh, 25 or 26 years now. So, yeah. Um, my niece, <laughs> we would send stuff. For, for Christmas, we would send stuff over mm -hmm. when she was young and, you know, out here in Montana, it's Carhartt jackets and stuff like sure. that. Mm -hmm. So we would send that care package over and it'd be like all Carhartt. And my sister, my sister used <clears throat> to laugh. She goes, she'd go, she, she'd go pick my niece up from school. 
and it's like pink and purple and blue and then Carhartt. Gee, wonder where the American kid is. <laughs> She's over there. Yeah, yeah. it's she, yeah. It's... I can always. She goes. I can always pick her out in the crowd. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Nobody's got Carhartt here. <laughs> oh man, you know what I loved? We had. Um, <laughs> he started as an intern, but we had this uh, employee who was from India, and we brought him to the Great American Outdoor Show. Oh, in Harrisburg. that's a bit. Yeah, that's and that's going on. I it just, it ended. Just, wrapped just, yeah, wrapped just ended. Up. Yeah. Yeah, it just wrapped up. Yeah, just wrapped on Sunday. And um, he, <laughs> I can't even explain it. It was like two days in and he says to one of the guys, where, like, where are they giving out those jackets? And the guy's like, <laughs> what do you mean? And he's like, all the camouflage. <laughs> like, who's giving out the camouflage? And we're like, no, dude. That's, that's what people do. wear. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what because every like like shot show is different, right? Like shot yeah. show is industry, and people are wearing yep. anything from blue jeans to a suit. You never know right. what you're going to get at the shot show, right? Because you exactly. get the mom and pop shops that are like the whole family that runs the shop, which is like what we're used to. That's our business. We're a family business. You know, my I started with my grandfather, my dad, and my uncle. I work with my mom. It's fantastic. And, um, and then all the other employees here are our family. I mean, they certainly are. And, um, and then you've got like these guys who are like in business suits. Right. So it's like, you never know who you're going to get, but at the great American outdoors show, like there's no mix. We're all hunters. We all wear camo. That's what we do. And it's funny because shot happens in January and like two weeks later, the great American outdoors show happens. We're all at the same shows, right? So it's like we leave a shot in Las Vegas and you get like thrown into this consumer show in the middle of Harrisburg, yeah. Pennsylvania. And everybody walking in has just taken like a week off from work. They're from Montana. They're from Alaska. You know, they're from all yeah. over the place, Maine. I mean, most of the guys I meet who are there from Florida, this is their two-week vacation. They yeah. come and they do the show in chunks and they get through the whole thing. But having this kid there and he's like, who's giving out the free camo? I'm like, no, nobody. Because it doesn't matter if it's a seven-year-old girl wearing hot pink and purple camo or if but, it's like a girl camo. guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like absolutely hilarious. Like he thought like somebody must be giving this out, you know, or like, no. And that's what's great about like the great about that show. I love it. Is yeah. Because you can actually start seeing that as an industry. Yeah. We're actually really close uh, together yeah. on stuff. I mean, when you start I getting love, into, yeah. when you start getting into politics stuff, the politics <clears throat> stuff can get, you know, really crazy. But when you get into that show, it, yeah. it's just, it, it's just, everybody is real. You know, everybody thinks, so, Oh my God. There's going to be guns everywhere. It, it's very relaxed. Everybody's having a it great is. time seeing yeah. what's out there. And right. I mean, that's what the industry really is. One um, thing I love about the, the our industry, right, is it's not like other industries. I worked in the automotive industry before I did this. It's very cutthroat, right? Every car company, I worked for a luxury brand. So every car company wants to be the top wants to yep. be the best. They want to edge out the others. Yeah, exactly. Technology edge. Yep. Everything is hidden. Everything is like 
you know, we can't share it till it's going to come out. You know, everybody's trying to edge each other out. I knew the company that I worked for was trying to get like a particular program off the ground. They were beat out by another company by two days and it was a big deal, you know, and the whole thing and, and that, and it was tough and it was <laughs> cut through, right? Working under the 2A umbrella is very different. It yeah. brings us all together. When you're working under an umbrella that feels like their freedoms are being attacked, everybody wants to pull everybody up, right? So if I'm a new target company that comes out, right? Everybody in this industry, they want me to succeed, right? Because mm -hmm. all of us together are what's going to make this industry succeed. Yeah. It's not one company. So if you have a couple of gun companies that are all arguing with each other all the time, or a couple of target companies that are in competition with each other all the time, that doesn't help build our industry. No. And that doesn't no. help maintain freedom in our industry, right? So yeah, there is something to be said for the camaraderie. And you see it at that show more than any other, I think, because we all come together after an industry show where we're like trying to buy for a foothold there, right? Well, and yeah, then you come to having, yeah. your business to make money. I mean, it, it's, of course. it's it is. You know, when it comes down to it, I mean, we work, there's a company um, out there um, that makes uh, bottle targets, right? These plastic bottle targets are, um, they're high density uh, polyethylene and they're really cool. Um, they're, uh, made by Target Factory. And um, we did a thing with Pete a while back where um, he was selling like a set of six bottle targets on Amazon and we're selling our hand, hang tufts on Amazon, right? And it was like, you get to a point where you have to do it. You have to sell yeah. on Amazon, right? Yeah. To be competitive. And we have our own website and he has his and he's also got deals with other, you know, with I think Tractor Supply and, um, you know, do all outdoors and some big companies. And so Pete and I got together, a, a contact of ours said, you guys should get together and do something. And so Pete and I got on the phone and we said, how about we sell our bottle targets with our hang tough, like the hang tufts together. And we shipped like a pallet of bottle targets and a pallet of hang tufts out and we pack, repackaged them and we put them on Amazon. We went to Amazon together. And I think people from outside of the industry were like, what are you doing? You're yeah, packaging your nuts. targets with a competitor. And Pete and I were like, this is all about the industry, right? Yep. Shaking hands with our competitors, making sure that everyone knows that we are all about the same goals is important. It's more important, right? So <laughs> I think that that may, it means something, right? Well, I mean, if, if you look at our email chain, just scheduling to yeah. go on, I told you, you know, about CloverTech, you know, because I knew you right. were going to be on CloverTech this afternoon and, you yeah. know, Chris is a great guy. He is, he's helped me out so much as a content creator. Yeah. And then right. you, you responded back about yeah. this exact thing. Like, this is what you love about this industry because exactly. when Throom was a small company, you yeah. had other companies help you out as well. Yeah. USCCA immediately were putting their hand out and saying, how can we help? You know, um, we're so excited that that you're here. We're so excited you have something innovative. You know, Kevin McLowski was immediately wanting to, you know, do some kind of a demo or bring us out in front of some other journalists and and let them see like, hey, this is a new thing and I really love it. And, you know, let's show this off and, you know, active self-protection. Um, and that was kind of a cool thing. I mean, active self-protection is so big, right? John Korea has got an amazing mm -hmm. YouTube channel and I love working with him and Neil and Steph. Um, but when they, when we met them, 
they had, I think it was like 45,000 um, subscribers, which is still, it's a huge number, right? Yep. And they said, we think we've got something here. We think you've got something here. Like, let's see how we can support each other. At the time, I felt like they were really helping us out, right? More than, <laughs> more than we yeah. could do something for them um, because they had such a good channel um, already. And, um, and so they like really pulled us up and now they're over a million, you know, subscribers or two, I don't know what they're at now. It's, it's wild. Um, and I'm really like, I'm proud that we were able to like do something with them in the beginning, but I'm also just really humbled that like that they were come to us and say, we think you have something and we think you'd be great for this industry. And we want to show that off right for you. Yeah. Yeah. Major. And that's, and that's that's what's so great. Uh, I mean, I, I even saw yeah. this at, at, at shot. I mean, that's right. You know, oh yeah. Um, you were downstairs at shot, and that's yeah. um, you know, for for those who haven't been at shot, the main floors. Well, that's your Glocks and Sig. Right. So, well, except yeah, Smith and Wesson. Well, except Smith for Sig this year. Yeah. yeah except for right. Sig this year. Um, right. Th thanks, thanks, Sig, for uh, for for starting that uh, shit storm going through the industry. Um, yeah. But that's what I like about, you know, um, the, you get down in that bottom floor of shot. And honestly, that is where the industry is. Yeah. That yeah. is all, all these small companies, you know, like yourself, Right. They're all there talking to each other. They're, I mean, you know, I. We're I all networking to, and all trying networking, like, how can we pull exactly. each other up? Yeah. Um. You know, I was talking to another company. They're out of uh, South Dakota. Um, they, they, I had them on the podcast. And then, you know, we got off um, when we were done recording. We got talking about, you know, he's like, he was asking me about affiliate marketing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because he's <clears throat> trying to understand how content creators, you know, how, how we work and stuff like that. And, sure. you know, I walk him through that stuff. And he's like, well, you know, I'm, I, you know, this big company that does affiliate marketing once like a thousand dollars a month and oh blah, 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 right. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Um, there's another company. Um, they were at shot. They were actually two rows over from you. I know, I know the, uh, the founder of that company, he runs his own, uh, um, affiliate program. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to just like give you an introduction? Yeah. And um, you can talk to him. He's like, oh, that'd be great. So, yeah. you know, uh, it, I actually did the introduction through in uh, Instagram on, on the message. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And those two guys just start talking back and forth. And this guy's like, yeah, this is what I do. And then blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. and, uh, and it's great to see those connections. You yeah. Know, the industry is helping everybody out. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. I think it, it's really like encouraging when you know you have a bigger or larger company that's been in the industry for a while um yeah. come down and like like you said come down from level two right and walk up to us and go like this is great we're so glad you're here yeah. you know and and it feels nice and then it's nice for like you know we've got there are other you know companies that have reached out to us and you know, have ideas and they're like hey what can we do together or whatever and if we you know if it's feasible we always want to try to work with them. There were so many people that I met, uh, out at shot who maybe couldn't get a booth this year, but like, were there as a manufacturer, were there yep. at the supplier showcase. 
and we're just trying to figure out like what's the place for my product i think yeah. i have something innovative and what's a what where's where do i start um and i tried like that like to hand out i was like here's a couple of you know either content creators or journalists who i think would really love to talk to you about this and yeah. could get that message out um why would I hide those contacts from somebody who's trying to introduce something innovative to our industry? Right. Well, and, and that's, you know, you were talking, like you were just saying, you know, they, they couldn't get a booth or they didn't get a booth and they're trying to figure right. things out. Right. If you are going to shot, that is not a cheap endeavor no. at all. It doesn't matter um, if you have a booth or not, or if you're just there trying no. to get a foothold somewhere it's expensive. I mean, to get your way and not just the, the price of admission, right. Which right. takes months sometimes of trying to prove that you belong there. Yep. Also your hotel and your flight and trying to figure out how a lot of these guys are trying to bring something that maybe is not easy to transport, yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah. And I mean, not even just talking about firearms, but firearms, you know, um, but trying to make sure that you can safely get your gear there. It's a lot. I mean, it took a while for us to, um, you know, to really get in now that once you're there, you're like, can do everything to make sure. I, and this year was tough. Yeah. And we did, I mean, John and I quarantined, we pretty much stayed in our houses for the two weeks before shot. And here's why <laughs> we weren't like afraid that you're going to get, you know, COVID necessarily. But you're afraid that one of you is even just going to get a sniffle and yep. then you're not allowed on the plane. And then I'd have to go by myself or John would have to go by himself or worse. Neither one of us could go. And that happened to a great deal, a great number of people who thought they were going to be out there and weren't. We met a retailer who's going to be doing business with us. He was supposed to go out with his dad. His dad consistently was testing positive for COVID, even though he had had COVID like over two months yep. ago could not get into the United States. They're from uh, South America. And he was like, I didn't know what to do. And my dad told me, just go, right? Yeah. So the, the guy comes by himself and he steps foot in the Venetian. It's two days before the show. He gets a phone call from some contact in like Miami who his dad knows. And he says, I need you to go down to the floor and meet this guy. He's going to meet you at the entrance. He needs help. And he's like, what? Okay. You know? Yeah. So he gets down to the main lobby and this guy meets him out there and hands him an exhibitor badge and goes, you're the guy, you're the guy who's going to help me. And he goes, uh, yeah, I guess so. You know? <laughs> and he goes down to his booth. His booth is just in pieces. And he tells him my entire team like has COVID or is stuck back at home. They can't oh. get on a flight. I've got a booth. I've got to assemble. It usually takes five guys. It's just me. I happen to be telling your dad who knows this other guy that I needed help. And he said, you are here. Can you help me? And this kid spent the whole night assembling a booth. He said he spent the first four hours before he even asked the guy, Hey, what do you do? What are you selling? <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I said to him, I said, so this was your first shot show. And he said, yeah. And I said, you know what? That is actually a good introduction to our sure. industry. Yep. Right. Because he didn't know this guy. He didn't even know what he did. He just got a phone call that he needed help. And he yep. went down there. He helped him. And so, and, you know, and then he walked the show floor 40 miles, you know, for the for the rest of the week. Right. Yeah. But, 
And, 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 you know, I know we've said this a, a couple of times. I just, I, that's what I love about this industry. Agreed. Um, when you get to know people, this industry will just help yeah. you so much. And yeah. if you don't know someone, you know someone who knows someone. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, you know, hey, the, you know, this, talk to this person. And it's, it's just, right really awesome um yeah um and i i i love this industry just because you know i'm a shooter yeah but i love this industry just because of that as well right um yeah everybody's willing to help out right i agree i think it's a very different experience from like i said i came from automotive my father and my uncle came from an engineering background building um a custom equipment and um you know, that does all kinds of really amazing things. But again, in industry where it's about technology and you're edging out the competition and we're lucky enough that we work in an industry now that is about the technology. It is about growing the industry, but it's also about making sure that we're all supporting one another. Right. And, and that's a really positive thing. And it's, and coming from automotive and them coming from this engineering background, all three of us can sit at the table and go, wow, this feels different, right, yeah. than those other other industries. So, yeah, I think it's an amazing experience to get to, you know, do what we do and introduce na- new technologies and have that support of, you know, your competitors and the, the people yeah. around you who want to see this industry succeed consistently. So, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Now, I know we've been going a little over an hour um, yep. and I want to be kind of <laughs> respectful for your time. I've yeah. got one last question. <clears throat> okay, I'm ready. And and it has to do with the conversation that we had at Shot Show. Okay. So I'm gonna put you on. I'm gonna put you on the spot. All right. <laughs> Your targets. Yeah. Can go from 120 to negative 40 degrees. Yeah. That's their operating temperature, and yeah. I remember saying negative 40, and your exact comment was that was a cold day it was a cold day yeah (laughs) (laughs) talk about that yeah so we um we actually uh you know obviously you want to put them to the test we've put this material to the test and like more like unrealistic settings right in a lab um but we've also taken the targets to you know and you also want to it's not necessarily about temperature right too so it can be about humidity it could be how dry the air is. It could be how hot, you know, how humid it is. And so we tested the targets in places like Miami, right? Which is hot and sweaty and the UV light is outrageous. Yeah. I would say that was uncomfortable too. <laughs> um, we've taken them out into uh, Arizona desert, right? And we've tested them in super dry and arid 125 plus temperatures when you really get down to um, the real, you know, real temperature, like what's attacking the plate. And then we had the plates out in Alberta, Canada. They were like on a frozen lake. We were being shot from a hundred yards. We thought that they might shatter. Um, There was a possibility, obviously we were hitting them with 308s. And so, and, and 7.62. So you're really not sure. I mean, we know what they do under normal conditions. Right. Um, but we're talking frozen lake. It's funny, too, because the video was like, 
you can feel the cold, like just watching the video, because it's just like this rush of cold, like this, like the misty snow, like going yeah. across, you know, the remote cam. And then you hit the target and the target's like, and it goes down and it wasn't very extreme. Um, and so from far away, you're like, we did what we expected, right? Yep. It went down. Yep. Um, and then you go and look at it and tiny pinhole again. So really performed well. <laughs> we were excited. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, when you come out and you make a claim like that, you better be able yeah. to support it. So it does mean shooting in like really terrible conditions. And it is funny when like our marketing team calls and says, hey, you say that you can shoot them in, you know, snow or upside down or this or that. So um, I was lucky enough to not have to do this one. But my sister and brother-in-law drew the short straw and they had to take the targets out last year. And they wanted them, the knockdowns, how I described, upside down. Um, and they wanted to shoot them in the snow. And they live in Moscow, Pennsylvania. It's about 30 yeah. minutes south of Scranton. It's cold up there yeah, <laughs> in the is. Poconos. And it's funny because, like, if if down here they're like, oh, you're going to get an inch of snow, like, they get, like, 18 inches of snow, right? Because they're, like, that's so much mm -hmm. higher in elevation. And um, they drew the short straw, and they had to go shoot the targets in the snow and get in that video. And it's perfect because it's, again, negative, you know, below zero <laughs> conditions, right? Not negative 40, but below zero conditions. And it was funny looking at the snow was three feet high at the time. So um, you see all the bullet holes like pounded in. <laughs> to the see, firm. What, what they should have done is they should have gone up to Camelback Mountain. Yep. That's shot, them at Camel, shot them at Camelback <laughs> and did ski out. Yeah. And then ski right back out. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Cause I remember being like, Hey, I'm going to ship these out to you. I had some other thing going on for the company. And I said, I can't make it out, um, but I need this video. And um, they were like, oh, gosh, you know. <laughs> and so if you go on Amazon, the commercial that runs on Amazon, you see the targets flipping around in the snow. That's my poor sister or my brother-in-law out there <laughs> in below zero conditions, <laughs> you know. Because yeah. what really caught my eye because of that negative 40 um, mm -hmm. You know, I grew up in Pennsylvania. We, you know, we nor'easters are a thing there, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, dump a lot of snow. I moved to Montana, and we moved out here in 2000. And our first winter in Montana was eye-opening. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a time we were driving. We were driving down the road, and I think it was like minus 18. Oh, God. And my my wife was laughing and I'm like, what? She goes, we're in a heat wave. <laughs> and I'm like, and I start laughing. She's like, what? I go, well, so yeah, I mean, it's minus 18. You yep. said we're in a heat wave, but when would you ever, it's the way you said it because you were so serious because it has been so damn cold right. for yeah. so long. Yeah. That, you know, Negative eighteen was our high, right? Yeah, and, and I, it was yeah. warm. <laughs> I was. I mean, Dan, I mean, I think tomorrow, like it snowed here the other day, right? But tomorrow it's supposed to be like in the sixties. So you're yeah. like, I don't know. Um, but like up, you know, where I again, thousand feet in elevation adds <laughs> a considerable, like it's a considerable yeah. temperature change, and I really am one of those people who doesn't like the cold. 
Um, but living up in my friend calls it Winterfell. I don't know if you've watched <laughs> GOT. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she'll be like, how's Winterfell? You know? <laughs> and um, because she lives down in um in South Jersey, like down by uh like Seaside Heights. Okay. And so she's she's always like, Yeah, how's Winterfell up there? And um we so the other day my daughter and I were gonna go for a walk and we just like opened the garage and the garage has to be we didn't even consider this. We have to have our garage heated or the garage door contracts so much that it won't open. Won't open. <laughs> yeah. I had never experienced that <laughs> until moving way the heck up in the mountains. Like you're like, don't even like way the heck up in New Jersey, but still it's like, it's so much higher in elevation. It's so much colder that we were like, Oh my God, you can't even get the door to open unless you heat the garage just a little bit. And so we walked out, it was like 26 degrees and two of us are ready to go for a walk. We don't even have jackets on because 25 is like pretty warm. Actually. We, <laughs> like, well, it, it's funny because, you know, I, I tease other people about cold and I'm yeah. like, I mean, you guys don't know what cold is. Oh, yeah. Um, but the weird thing about uh, moving here from the East Coast is, mm -hmm. you know, it's this is a completely different type of cold. Right. Like, Ours you know, is a little more humid. It's humid, humid cold. It's wet. So <laughs> we we you know, we're, we're used to dressing in base layers and then mm -hmm. you know layering up. So my first winter out there trying to shovel the driveway, you know, I got my layers on. I got halfway through the driveway. I'm stripped down to a sweatshirt. Yeah. And, and I'm like, man, I am just like sweating. I'm like, yeah, this is just, this is a different type of cold. It's different. Which is mm -hmm. what, that's why I kind of loved about what you said about your targets testing in different areas and different um, mm -hmm. humidities because. A, it's important. You know, mm -hmm. It's important because it is completely different. Even yeah. if it's the same temperature, you know, 32 degrees in Montana is completely different than 32 degrees in Pennsylvania or Jersey. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, we're talking about relative humidity changes of like 20% or more. Yeah. And that makes a considerable difference in terms of materials that you're going to want to use. I mean, we had somebody call and complain because they couldn't get the two by four in their alpha bracket. It was like too oh. snug. Right. And they're like, we think there's a problem with it. Well, here's the problem with it, right? We had to design a bracket that would fit a two by four that somebody was going to slide in in Maine, right? Yeah. In the winter where it just basically drops right in, right? Because yeah. it's so cold and so dry, right? And then you've got somebody in Texas, right? And it's so hot. humidity. Yeah. And the relative humidity is higher. higher. So the woods wood swells. Swell. Absolutely. And so I said, so the guy in Maine is going to complain that the bracket falls right off. Like if he goes to move yeah. it, the bracket could fall off and the legs could fall right out. Right. And you in Texas are going to complain that you need a mall a rubber mallet to knock the knock yeah. the bracket off. So we have to be cognizant of that all the time that and it's not necessarily that there, it's going to affect our materials so much, but it, it certainly is going to affect the materials that you're using alongside of our products. Well, and right? that's the whole thing is you can't control the lumber, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, right. you know, even if a, a two by four is supposed to be a two by four is supposed to be a two by four. Never is. But <laughs> it never is. No, I mean, <laughs> never ever is. It, it never yeah. is. I mean, it, one, you know, one manufacturer may cut it at eighth of an inch bigger yeah or you know these trees when they went into the kiln 
Right. Um, you know, a kiln uh, uh, going into humidity, a kiln in Montana sure. is going to operate different than the kiln in, you know, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, you can't control those are those are things. Now, if you had right. made a cross beam out of your material and it right. didn't fit, that's a product problem. Absolutely. That's a huge right? problem. That's yeah. a huge problem. But that's the that's the whole thing is you're using a commoditized piece right. of lumber right. to build that thing. Of course, there's going to be some slight problems. And yeah, I mean, we have to be constantly trying to adapt to um, like changes in the industry. We have a dueling tree that I love that it was really fun to design that you can use the same alpha bracket that makes a plate rack stand what can be used as a base for the dueling tree. I love that about our products that they're versatile, that the targets can be used in so many different ways, right? Upside down or upright. And the bracket be, can be used for a vertical stand. It could be used for a horizontal stand. Um, but, you know, with the ammo shortage came situations where <laughs> I hate to do this to the ammo guys because you know they were having people who go through training that takes weeks were getting trained in days right yeah. now that created inconsistencies in the ammo that we were buying I mean we've seen sure. things so bad we, we've seen 40 calibers stuffed into you know well no there was a 45 stuffed in a 40 caliber casing that was the most dangerous thing that I saw Ooh. recently um and this ding dong actually fired it. I surprised he still has fingers. Um, yeah. But, and this was a friend of mine who's an RSO who witnessed it and took pictures and sent them to all of us because he was like, be careful, right? Yeah. Um, you know, primers are missing or not seated properly or worse, seated or upside, upside down. down. Upside down, yeah. we've seen a lot of those, right? So we've had that. And then one of the things that we're seeing is not necessarily that the ammo is being like loaded with a lower grain than you expect from the company, but definitely seeing people who are reloading, maybe they're loading them lighter, right? Now that yeah. created a significant problem for our dueling tree because our dueling tree is used to seeing 124 grain, nine millimeter, right? Yep. Not, <laughs> you know, not now a, we've not, a, not 115 running at, you know, 850 feet per second. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So now we've got a dueling tree that used to perform where the target flips all the way over and it's flipping to the back and it's just stopping. So, yeah. okay. Rather than just attack, you know, people who are calling us saying it doesn't work because that's all they're saying. I know why it's not working. Right. Yeah. You know, sir, do you reload? You know, you know, right yeah. away. Um, and I know that everyone's trying to save money, especially now. I mean, you know, the whole thing, but we instead, we went back to the drawing board and we completely reinvented the material that we use for our dueling tree. So hopefully, I know I talked to you at SHOT. We were hoping by the end of this month. Unfortunately, we had a few people, you know, few things happen at yeah. the company. It's not been possible to move that project forward right away. But we've created a dueling tree now that you can use with 22s, 9mm, 40 caliber, right? And it doesn't matter. We used to have a rim fire dueling tree and a center fire dueling tree. We're getting rid of those two. We're coming back now, should be in March, with a six-inch dueling tree. What you're used to seeing from a dueling tree only weighs 10 pounds. You can use it with rim fire or center fire ammo. And I don't care if your nine millimeter is underloaded. <laughs> no, yeah. It will work. So, so, but that that's the whole thing, like adapt and change, right? So like, make an alpha bracket that can fit 
all different sized lumber, you know, all different size, you know, dimensional two by fours in every different state, right? And then also adapt to the changes that we're seeing in ammo, right? And how can we make a target that works the way we're promising <laughs> with any ammunition that you can, at the time, manage to even find, right? It, it's funny. It's funny you bring up the the reloading thing because I remember being at the range, and someone was having a problem with a pistol. Now I was in my own packing up, and they were having problems, mm -hmm. and you know they were saying every adult word in the language <laughs> uh, yeah. about the about this gun. Sure. And what's funny is I looked over, and I'm like, it's the exact same gun I was just shooting, and I know mm. that gun well. Um, right. And, and I was like, so what's happening? He goes, it's not locking back on the last shot. Mm. I go, do you reload? Yes. Right. Have you, have you chronoed your ammo? Mm. So you don't right. know how much, you don't know how much, you know, how fast these bullets are, are traveling. He's like, no. no clue. I go, here, here's, here's, uh, you know, I gave him some nine millimeter. Right. Shoot, shoot, shoot mine. Right. It was locking back on the last um, no problem. shot. And right. I'm like, you don't have enough powder in your load. It's enough, right. to, it's enough to cycle that slide and eject that shell, but it's not yeah. enough to move the slide far enough back to actually let the magazine follower right. lift the uh, magazine catch. Right. And he's just right. like, I never would have thought of that. I'm like, it's am ammo does a lot of things to a gun. Yeah. You're not recognizing too that it's not just about firing that one bullet, right? Yeah. It's about properly operating the firearm in its exactly. entirety, right? Yep. So, yeah, it is. It is interesting. We've seen a lot. I my favorite though um, is so <laughs> so dangerous, but um, was an entire box of nine millimeter with the bullets loaded upside down. Oh, wide cutters. <laughs> Nine millimeter wad cutters. <laughs> I was like, it was crazy too because the shells are coming out. I mean, this guy again, somebody on the range tried to fire him, and the shells are ejecting. They're like split, right? Because the oh, bullet yeah. wants to tumble out. It yeah. doesn't want to fire. <laughs> I was just loaded upside down. I mean, um, give me a break. Yeah, we've yeah. seen some really fun ones, I think, in 2020 and 2021, especially, you know, and I think yeah. it's just, I feel bad for the ammo guys, because they were put in a position where they couldn't have somebody at every press, right? Because of COVID, you have to have, you know, everybody spaced out, we can't just lift a press and go move it somewhere else, right? No. So you got to, so now one press is empty. So already you're making 50% less, right? Some, you know, cool. And plus you're trying to run those things, you know, you, you they might be running those things at 75% speed of a mm -hmm. normal thing. Now they're running less presses at faster speeds. Exactly. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. You're asking a lot of the press. You're asking a lot of the operator. So yep. it's, I think that they, you know, and, and again, talking to some of these guys and finding out that the training used to be two to three months before you got your own press right? Yep. You're working in tandem with somebody else. You're working under supervision. Now you get six days, right? Yeah. Um, 
And I mean, and of course, that's not direct from, you know, anybody who's doing these trainings. That's from, you know, people who know somebody who knows somebody who worked a press one time, you know, but but I feel bad. Right. Because we're all in that position. I mean, we've had guys out um, who have tested positive with COVID who have no symptoms. So you've had guys out who were hospitalized for months. Right. And, you know, weren't able to come back. And I've got to train you know, somebody to use that equipment in their absence. And then I've also got to ask that person to do it the way that the, the other guy could do it. The guy who's been doing it for years. So, I mean, we're lucky as a family business. Um, all of us know how to run the equipment. That's one of the, um, you know, one of the kind of requirements is like, nobody gets a job here and just starts working in the office. Like if somebody's sick, if somebody's not on the line, Every one of us can change out of our work clothes. Every one of us has some camo pants and a crappy t-shirt in our locker. And you go grab that and you go run the equipment like that. I think that's kind of the best part for me about the Thrum Target specifically. And I'm sure this is the case for a lot of family businesses and a lot of other small businesses. But I mean, every one of us has run the equipment. Every one of us, you know. And for and not like for a you, day, like <laughs> yeah, you, you've you've done it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, I mean, remember going through. There was like um, one of our operators was out. I mean, for an extended period of time, my uncle was down there, and he's running the equipment for like three weeks. And it was like week three, and he was like, "I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. Somebody else has got to tag in." <laughs> You know, and I, yeah, I mean, when I came in, that's what I was doing. I was like loading molds and taking them apart and changing mixers, you know, all, everything that is required. Right. And, uh, I was like, okay, I'll go take point. And then, um, it's like nobody volunteers until you're at your wits end, you know? So one of (laughs) us, yeah, so three, three, four weeks in, like, I just, I don't care. I, I'm going to make sure I beat his three weeks. Right. So you go down for three weeks in one day and then you come in the office and go, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not doing it anymore. So, but it's, um, but now we're in a good spot. We, you know, sales picked up a lot, you know, in the last couple, like, you know, well, we rebranded, we were new bold targets actually. Yeah. And we rebranded in November of, um, you know, 2020. And, uh, and so, um, and with that, we also had, we need a bigger manufacturing space. We needed more shelves. We need more, um, hold more inventory. So we moved that down and we were lucky. We, um, we work with the guys that we're working with are people that we've known for decades and we brought them in and we, we trained them here for five weeks. We moved all of the equipment in under 48 hours. So we had a little, little, little bit of downtime. It was over a weekend. We got that stuff back up and going. We gave them one of our guys for five weeks. So they took, we took theirs for five weeks. We gave them ours for five weeks and now they're up and running. Um, and so now um, that plan is down in South Jersey and we're able to go there and, um, it frees us up, my, you know, my dad, you know, my, my uncle and I, um, to do other things for the business and not be focused on running the plant. Yeah. We've got a plant, you know, we've got somebody managing that. Um, and then, um, when equipment breaks, one of us gets in the car and gets a wrench and gets your head under the machine. Yeah. <laughs> Machines, no. I guess now. Yeah. No, that's a- uh, that's an important thing I, I wanted to bring up and I've totally forgotten the beginning. Yeah. Your products are made in Jersey. They are. Yeah. Yep. And they uh, always right have been here mm-hmm. in the U S yeah. We and make them here. 
And you've been doing this 25 years, I think. Yeah, we've um, been doing it since 95. I say we, but I was eight years old. I'll, I'll tell the truth. <laughs> so my, my dad, my uncle, um, you know, my grandfather kind of came up with this whole idea for targets. Um, our background was in engineering. So we had some experience with polymers and um, they felt like there was a need for a target that you could train up close with, especially for law enforcement, something that wasn't going to cause ricochet or splatter, something that would, you know, enable these guys to train closer and safer. Um, when they came out, it was just the targets. So, you know, for years, it was kind of like a hobby. It was sort of a side business. We also, like I said, we build equipment um, too. And so that was kind of the main business. I, um, you know, I was like looking for a change. They were looking for somebody to manage Newbold and see if it would sink or swim, basically. Is this a hobby or is this a real business? Yeah. And um, I was like, I could do that, you know? So I switched careers. I came over here and started... Um, marketing the targets. And what I really love is like, I grew up in this machine shop, right? I grew up doing this and and working as like an engineer alongside of my, my parents. And, um, and I really love that part of it. So I immediately started to try to figure out like, what is the vehicle for the targets, right? Because um, the targets were, you know, they, they're when people could see where they could really assist them in training, they were willing to build the stand. They're willing to figure out how to implement them into their current training. A lot of them were trying to take the knockdowns and fit them to their existing plate racks. That's kind of like against our message, right? Yeah. Um, because the, those plate racks are steel, you know, and so that kind of goes against the whole training up close. I'm not going to put a target into a steel bracket and still hit that. Right. So, um, so I kind of used like my background to um, design the alpha bracket and some of the different brackets and stands and the dueling trees, the brackets for those with 180 degree swing. Um, and um, and then we, we really noticed that, I mean, we don't have to make a single nickel on an alpha bracket. We just needed to provide a solution for sure. folks. Um, we noticed that our sales to people over 75 and women of all ages jumped right away with the with the alpha bracket because um, I'm not even saying that these two populations are incapable of building their own stands. What I'm saying is many of them, women especially, have absolutely no time for that. <laughs> Most of the women shooters that I know have a job, have children, right? Have a family. And they also like to shoot as a hobby or their whole family does, right? This is a person who has absolutely no time to build a target stand, right? But she'll yeah. definitely have enough time to cut a two by four. Or maybe they have two yeah. by fours in the garage, like most of us, right? right. Or, um, or you just go down to Home Depot and Lowe's. I go, I need uh, these yeah. two by fours cut to this length. And they'll just cut to this length and they'll do it. You. Yeah. And so we noticed like right away, um, you know, that that sort of changed. And we kind of made it our goal, like, let's just offer the stands and brackets, some of them just like at cost. Um, and, you know, and just make sure that we can provide them as a vehicle and a solution for the targets, because the targets are the real star, but there's right. no vehicle to sell targets if you don't have a solution for a, a shoot through safe stand for them. 
I mean, even though you can get thousands of shots through the target, yeah. eventually, it, I mean, it is a, it is a um, you know, a disposable product. Sure. Yeah. So right. that is where the you know that is where your profits come from. I mean, yeah, exactly. If you, if you make if you make something that never breaks, well. <laughs> yeah, I I am accused of that though. So my uncle is constantly saying, um, "You didn't make this consumable enough." <laughs> <laughs> so the engineering background can be detrimental for my. Uh, because I put on two hats, right? I love the engineering side, but also I have the sales and marketing background too. And I went to college for public relations. So, um, you know, so that's how I like getting, having these relationships with you, with other influencers, with journalists, you know, um, for sure. But, um, but yeah, I have been accused of making targets that are not consumable enough. <laughs> so, uh, especially like our rifle plates, um, or our 20 or targets that are more centered toward uh, like 22 LLR. I'm like, I'll never talk to that. If a guy calls me and says, I only shoot 22 long rifle. Oh God. I'm never going to talk to that guy again. He's never going to yeah. need another target. <laughs> oh, I mean, and that's so. the thing is, is that you design, I mean, you've designed your product with the shooter in mind. Yeah. That, that's and obviously you designed, the as, goal. you designed it yeah. as a shooter. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And so that, that's the whole thing. Um, I think coming into it, um, my uncle had all these great ideas for like different targets and we just needed a mount that would do the target justice, right? Because yep. you want, you have this target, it's designed with the shooter in mind, but none of the brackets or bases or accessories had the shooter's best interests in mind, right? Because they were all things that could break with just one hit. Right. And so just came back as Thrim targets implemented all of these new changes to the brackets and mounts and uh, and just made it like a really easy thing to, you know, to transport, to shoot safely, to afford. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I know you uh, it's it, well, it's lunchtime for you now. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. And you, and you do have some things to do. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell the audience how, you know, where can they buy your products from? Yeah, so we we sell all of our products direct to consumer on ThroomTargets.com. So www.ThroomTargets.com. Um, and we also sell on Amazon. So our top selling targets are also available on Amazon. We know that a lot of people just feel comfortable ordering from Amazon. Their credit cards are already stored with them. We totally get that. So the top selling things on our website are also available there. And the one thing I will say is we store a few things with Amazon where they ship them direct. Um, but the majority of the time when you order from Amazon, it drops directly into the same bucket as our regular orders coming from our website. So no matter what, they're still going to ship right from New Jersey, right from our plant. Our shipping location is right next to the plant. So everything is made, stored and shipped right from there. Um, and the one really cool thing about ordering doesn't matter if it's Amazon or our website. If we are out of stock on a you know, on a product on any kind of a target, because we make them ourselves, because we manufacture them here, if you order that target and it's out of stock, it will prioritize that target with the manufacturing nice. 
right end of it. So yeah. right away when that target drops into the tank, all of us can see it, not just the shipping department, but manufacturing as well. And the office, they prioritize that specific target. They get that mold up on the table. They start making that, that target so that you have it and there's no delay. Um, so I think that's one of the really nice things about manufacturing here in this country, right? Manufacturing right next to where we ship from, because there's no disconnect there. If you order it, we almost never say that something is out of stock on our website. If it's out of stock, we're having some massive issue <laughs> um, because we don't have to say it's out of stock because we'll make it right away. Yeah, It'll be made for you're, you right away. If it's out of stock, you're having a problem getting the polymer material. Exactly. In, <laughs> exactly. Right? If it's out of stock, we're having an issue getting like some have, kind of component. Yeah. <laughs> and I will some... say this, and one of the things we are really proud of, all of our, um, all of the components that it takes to make the targets are also sourced from companies that are here in the United States. So all awesome. of our vendors for the different polymer chemicals or, you know, any of the you know, pigments or anything that we use for the targets um, in the black or the green, they're all sourced from company from US based companies also. That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining. Uh, yeah, I'm today. so glad. Um, Thanks for having for me. Those, for those of you on the audio side, I'll have a link in the show notes so you can just click right there. So that way, when you're driving, you're not trying to type onto your web browser. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Aaron, th again, it, it was great meeting you at SHOT and thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me. It was really great to catch up. Yeah, it was. I had an awesome time talking to Aaron. She is just so much fun to talk to. She's really easy to talk to. And I kind of got that feeling at SHOT when I was in the Throom booth she just was so easy to talk to and, and she really just kind of makes you feel welcomed. Guys, definitely go out and check out Throom Targets. They're so cool. I got a chance to you know play with them at SHOT and it's just a really cool concept for targets. If you like the work that I do here, please consider supporting me for free by shopping my affiliate links and banners at www.trb.fyi. If you'd like to make a direct donation, you can do it right there on the webpage. You can also support me on Patreon. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.